0: What's going on, guys? What's going on? What's going on? I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are having a great day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. Um, Today, I want to talk a little bit about something that I just saw on the internet in Black Enterprise, actually, where they were uh, basically we have Black CEOs, a group of Black CEOs of major corporations. Have made a public vow to create a million jobs for Black people in the next ten years. These Black CEOs have come together and said, uh, "We want to help the Black community, and in the spirit of Black Lives Matter and everything else that's going on in the world, uh, we're going to. We have vowed to create a million jobs in the next ten years." I'm going to break that down a little bit and kind of uh, let you guys know what I think on that and uh, the subtleties and the nuances of, of this pledge, uh, good and bad. I, I want to applaud them, but I also want to make sure we understand the entirety of how things kind of work and how things might be going on, at least in the world of voice walking. So we're going to get started. Buckle your seatbelt, hit the thumbs up button, and we'll get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? DK and 1992 Denise and debt-free dad and and Blair Coldfield. I see you in here. Charles Ingram, what's going on? Jordan Williams. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Welcome to the Black Financial Channel, theblackfinancialchannel.com. Theblackfinancialchannel.com is where we talk about uh, daily financial news and commentary from a black perspective. Uh, Now, here's the deal. Um, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys very quickly about uh, this uh, this thing. I saw this thing where uh, black CEOs, uh, Tim Black Enterprise, a bunch of major guys who are running major companies have made major promises to create millions of jobs or at least a million jobs for black people. Um, uh, first of all, I want to start off by applauding this, right? The, the paying attention to things like black employment, uh, black wealth, potentially, things like that. Uh, that's a good thing, right? So everybody, you know, let's clap, let's clap. Uh, also, um, as we move forward, don't forget this platform is black first We'll be one. Uh, that means that we have to save ourselves before we can save anybody else. Uh, we must be one to be successful and we are black first. So we can't apologize for that. We have to look out for ourselves and we don't look out for ourselves and nobody else will. So, uh, if you agree with that philosophy, then hit, put hashtag B one in the chat. Hashtag B one is the calling card to let me know that you're black first. So, uh, I'm going to read some of this to you. And uh, it's in Black Enterprise. Black Enterprise, a great publication, uh, really good people. Uh, I, I met some folks with Black Enterprise. I like them very much. And here's what Black Enterprise had to say. They said, a coalition of 37 CEOs across various businesses and industries are promising to create 1 million new jobs for Black Americans over the next 10 years. The collective organization 110, it's called 110, has announced that it will combine the power of these companies and hire, hire and promote 1 million Black Americans over the next 10 years into family-sustaining jobs with opportunities for advancement. 110 was founded by Ken Chennault, Chairman and Managing Director of General Catalyst, and former Chairman and CEO of American Express. Ken Frazier, Chairman and CEO of Merck. Charles Phillips, Managing Partner of Recognize, Chairman of the Black Economic Alliance, and former CEO of Infor. Jeannie Rometti, Executive Chairman and former CEO of IBM. Kevin Scherer, former chairman and CEO of Amgen and former faculty member at Harvard Business School. Quote, this is a moment for Americans to move past our divisions to come together and reach our full potential as a nation. Our country's workforce of the future will be an increasingly diverse one, said Fraser in a written statement. Through the creation of one million jobs for black Americans over the next 10 years, 110 has the potential to address persistent intergenerational gaps in opportunity and, uh, And I can't even read the rest because it looks like Black Enterprise accidentally put an ad over part of the article. So love you, Black Enterprise. Y'all got to fix that, man. Come on. Can't read the whole article because there's an ad on top of the article. All right. Anyway, I've read enough to you. Did you get the gist of what was going on here? Give me a yes in the chat if you got the gist of what was going on. These Black CEOs um, have gotten together and said, we need to create jobs for Black people and opportunities for Black people. I like that very much. I like the intention and the spirit behind it. I think it's a great thing uh, for the most part. Now, here's where the Boyce Watkins and me is going to have to come out a little bit. Um, you know, uh, As you know, one of the things that we focus extensively on in the Black Business School is black wealth. Black wealth is the number one priority of the Black Business School. All we think about is black people, black wealth, black economics, everything from income to wealth to the different ways to build wealth. That's all we focus on. Now, um, most of you didn't go to the black business school. You went to the white business school, if you went to business school at all. Now, the white business school doesn't focus on black wealth. The white business school, which is which would might be Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Duke University, University of Texas, et cetera, they focus on white wealth. They focus on how do we build um, uh, soldiers for our economic future? How do we make sure that our corporations and our community are doing extremely well? And a lot of Black people go to the white business school, and they become great soldiers for white economic prosperity. So unfortunately, inadvertently, and I say this as a man who's taught in, in white business schools for a big chunk of my life. I taught University of Kentucky, Indiana University, Syracuse University, the Ohio State University, et cetera. At, at these white business schools, the problem is that you're not really sort of solving uh, long-term economic problems when you go to the white business school. Uh, what you're doing is you might be solving some of your own economic problems, but you're not solving economic problems for the black community. Let me tell you why. Um, Here's why I was one time I was I was visiting Indiana University you know the black woman the beautiful black woman who's given me the honor of accepting my hand in marriage Dr. Alicia and I were doing a tour we do a pilgrimage every year we go back to Indiana University where I met her I met her in the cafeteria I literally I swear I'm not making this up I saw her across a crowded room and and she was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen in my life and I went over to talk to her and I and so we go back every year to say, I proposed to her, proposed to marriage to her in the same place that I met her. And we, I walk across the room to meet her. And so every year we go back to Indiana for a pilgrimage to just, you know, check out the old stomping grounds, stuff like that. So I saw this sign that said, I went to the business school where I, where I used to, where I was, work, you know, I was a graduate student and I taught some classes there. And I saw this sign that said something like, this building was dedicated by Caterpillar. And, and, and what I thought about was, I said, hmm, this is interesting. So Caterpillar gave, you know, millions of dollars to build this building, why would Caterpillar just give money away? Capitalists don't give money away. That's the opposite of capitalism. Capitalism means you keep your money, right? You get rich by keeping your money, you're not giving it away. So why would they give their money away? You know, that doesn't make much sense. So so I thought about it. I said, oh, I know why Caterpillar gives millions of dollars away to build buildings um, on other campuses, on campuses that are not their own. um It's because they're saying to the school, hey, we'll buy this building for you if you will send us uh, economic soldiers that can build our company up for the next generation. When you hold recruiting sessions for your best students, your best and brightest of the next generation, we want to be at the front of the line So that we can get access to that human capital, the same way you go dig for diamonds in Africa, the same way you might drill for oil in Saudi Arabia, or the same way you might go and get, you know, I don't know, wood and timber out of out of you know Thailand or something. We're going to come to this school because you got the best and brightest uh, in terms of how we do business in our community, and we want to pluck at that crop so that we can actually flip that. Right? We can take the raw meat. And flip it, cook it, and turn it into something that's sellable and generate a profit margin and build wealth for ourselves and for our, our corporation. Good plan. Excellent plan. Um, here's the problem though: black people aren't really usually a, 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 a productive part of that plan. Now, now you you're in the plan. Don't get me wrong. Like you're part of the plan. You're a cog in the wheel, right? You are a resource that that is necessary and utilized in that process. Uh, Where where you come in is you go to the white business school. First thing you do is you go a quarter million dollars in debt right, or a $100,000 in debt, which half of all black college graduates cannot repay their debt. I don't know if you guys know this or not. It's very important for you to understand. Half of all college graduates are in debt, probably to an institution that was not run by black people. So that right there is a multi-trillion dollar wealth transfer out of the black community, just so we can start there. But then you get this piece of paper called a college degree, a license. And I'm not this is not against college, right? All of our kids are going to college by the way. So if I say college is bad, then I'd be a hypocrite for saying that. But you get a piece of paper that then gives you the qualifications to go to a Caterpillar or to a corporation and to get a job. Right, so you uh, you go into that economic system now. The problem, though, obviously, is that the economic system was built on white supremacy. It was built. Uh, f- it wasn't built for your people. It was built for somebody else's people. Right? Those resources, those those profits, those trillions of dollars that are made every year in corporate profitability, that doesn't come back to the hood. If you want any evidence, anybody, give me a yes or no. Yes or no. When you go to the hood, do you see multi you know hundred million dollar buildings built up? Do you see massive industry being developed? Uh, do you see just uh, all kind of the streets paved with gold in the hood? Does the hood look as nice as 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 I don't know, maybe some place where white people live? I don't know, like downtown Denver or something, right? Or, or do you see just uh, devastation? Do you see like burned down buildings, like you know, uh, crackhead on every corner, garbage on the street, no jobs, no nothing, no industry, no nothing, right? Right. So so that money's not coming to you, right? That those profits are going elsewhere, um, and that's fine. But here's the here's the interesting thing. And this is not me at all. By the way, I want to make sure that I, I make it clear. I'm not being at all critical of the CEOs who are doing this. This is not a diss track. This is not me being critical. This is me being analytical. Analytical is different from critical. This. Hope we can understand this. So, so here's the deal. Um, you know, when they make a pledge and they say we're going to hire a million black people in the next ten years, I need you to be clear and understand that while this certainly does have some benefit for you. It certainly has far more benefit for them, right? It has some benefit for you, but a lot more benefit for them. It doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean they're screwing you, it doesn't mean that they're a bunch of old Uncle Toms. It doesn't mean that they're selling you out. It doesn't mean that they're trying to jack you, you know, jack you for your paper. They're not, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Please don't tell you that this is analytical, not critical. What it means is that what it's doing is this is an integration play. You see, we've been led to believe before, most of us never read books like Poweronomics, right, or Black Labor, White Wealth, books by Dr. Claude Anderson that break down precisely how your wealth got to where it is right now, right? Because Black folks have been getting jobs for corporations for a very long time, and there's very little evidence to say that our wealth levels have actually gone up because of that, Right. Uh, You know, white wealth has skyrocketed. Black wealth kind of remains flat and it's actually going down. It's going to be zero by the year 2053, largely because most of your wealth gets trapped into big white universities that suck up all your paper so that you can actually get a piece of paper that lets you go work for a white business. Do you follow what I'm saying? Somebody says, slow down. I hope I'm not talking too fast. I apologize. I get a little bit excited. Tell, give me a yes or no if you're following my, my logic here. I just need a confirmation to know that I'm not, because sometimes I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes maybe some people have accused me of being a, ahead of my time. I consider that to be a, a compliment, Uh, but and maybe it's because it's easy for me. I've been thinking about these things for 30 years, so it's a little simpler for me than it might be for other people, okay? So, and I apologize if I'm talking too fast, I want it, and I want to be cool when I say this because I don't want it to come off like I'm being mean. I'm not trying to be mean here. So here's the deal. So these guys um are have these CEOs who uh, you know, probably like a lot of us who went to you know big universities and make lots of money, we have survivors' guilt. You know, I don't know if any of you feel this way. You have survivors' guilt. You're like, dang man, I'm doing good. I'm in the executive suite, I'm making all this money, and my people are struggling. So I think that what I think they did this because they uh, want to help black people. I think they did this because they want to see black people do better. So what I'm saying is that there is a better way to see how black people, to make sure black people do better. Uh, and here and, and here's here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. A conversation on improving the black community cannot just be a conversation about jobs, right? It, it, it cannot be just a conversation about jobs. Uh, in America, you live in a capitalist society. Capitalism, capitalism isn't nearly as racist as it is capitalism. Capitalism doesn't dislike you because you're black. Capitalism will screw over white people too. Capitalism believes that the powerful get all the wealth. Those who are not powerful, you can just jump off a bridge and die, right? So when you're integrating into a capitalist system where it's built on this survival of the fittest kind of mindset, um, and you're coming into it and you're black, uh, you have to understand that when you don't have ownership and control and power, you're going to get screwed. And let's just be clear. This ain't just because you're black. Ken chennault has been a black man his whole life from what I understand. He's the CEO of American Express. Capitalism doesn't screw him. Capitalism rewards him. You know, if you're Will Smith, capitalism doesn't screw you. Capitalism takes good care of you. So, let's get past this whole idea that somehow all these things happen because you're black. No. All these things happen because of where your position, where you're trained to position yourself in the economic process, in the economic system. Now, here's my philosophy. Before I move on to that, actually, uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Make sure you subscribe to the Black Financial Channel. And I want to remind you guys, we start the Black Wealth Bootcamp on the 7th of January. So if you want to go take a look, it's a six-week program. It's very, very good. It's designed to reduce dependence on the corporate plantation. Uh, It's very popular. Everybody loves it. So feel free to go to blackwealthbootcamp.com. There's the URL right there on the screen. All right. So So here's here's the deal. Here's here's my philosophy, right? My philosophy is a black first philosophy, B1. Um, B1 means that uh, any economic strategy that we pursue as black people should be something that puts the black community's interests ahead of all other interests. Uh, The Chinese have a philosophy that you might call C1. Uh, They believe that any economic move makes sense as long as it makes sense for China. Uh, If it makes sense for Saudi Arabia, then that's not the optimal move. Uh, if it makes sense for England, that's not the optimal move. So, if you go to China, let me give you an example. Think of the Black community like a nation. Think of Black people like chi- like, chi- like China. Okay, and imagine if you went to the president of China and you say, "You know, we really want to help China. We really care about the plight of China here in the United States. We know your per capita income isn't very high, and so what we've pledged to do, uh, we have some Chinese CEOs over in the United States that are working for American companies, and they have pledged to create." a million jobs for Chinese people in the next 10 years. So that means that you can, your best and your brightest, you can put them on a boat, send them over to over to America, and we'll put them right to work. What do you say? Somebody in class, answer me real quick. How many of you think the Chinese will be happy with that deal? How many of you feel like the Chinese would say, yes, sign me up? This is the key to, to Chinese prosperity right here. Sending our, our smartest, best, and brightest, our you know, our potential CEO billionaires. We're we're gonna we're gonna send all our future billionaires to, to America so they can all get a job making a hundred thousand dollars a year. How many of you think that China would go for that deal? I'm putting on my other glasses because it's easier for me to actually. I have two pairs. I'm going back and forth, and I don't like either one. I gotta get me, I gotta go to the I doctor, I apologize. All right. So so no. Hell to the now, now to the now, now to the now, now, now. The Chinese would say, No, 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 that's thank you, thank you, Mr. White Man. That's a wonderful offer you made here. We appreciate that. But we understand how the whole game is played, we know where every piece on the chessboard is located. You think that we're a pawn, and we're not trying to be a pawn, we're actually trying to be a player. See, we're not a pawn on the chessboard where you're moving us around and we don't know what's going on. We're actually moving the pawns ourselves. So you're talking player to player. You're not talking, uh, you're not talking uh, you know, player to play E, right? <laughs> you're not talking player to pawn. You're talking we're talking player to player. So, so in China, we understand the value of our human capital. Human capital is the economic uh, potential or the economic worth of the people that exist in your community. The, pe- the people have value. You were born, you don't know this, but everyone, everybody watching this right now, you were born a millionaire. Every single person in here was born a millionaire because, and I say this as an expert on finance, everybody was born a millionaire because throughout the course of your life, if you add up the economic value of all the labor that you do for other people, all the thousands of hours you spend at your job, all the, all the uh, things you're going to learn throughout your life, all the skills you pick up, some of you are accountants, some of you are lawyers, maybe you're engineers, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you pick up the trash, maybe you uh, sweep the floor at the local high school, doesn't matter. No matter who you are, where you at, no matter what your education level, you were a millionaire when you were born because God gave you this blessing called human capital. That that's why they hire you. That's why they want to bring you in to their economic army and make you a soldier on their chessboard. They want you to play a part in sustaining their economic power. So, so what I would say is this: Look, um, there's nothing wrong with what these guys are trying to do. This is, it makes absolutely sense. Absolute, absolutely perfect sense. Corporations are better off when they understand the value of diversity. There's no question about that. Every study shows that when companies and um, diversify their workforce, they are always better off because your customer base is diverse. So your workforce should be diverse because if, the more you can connect with the customer base, the more likely you are to sell a product. So every business school model I can think of says that a diverse workforce is very good for you, which is why it makes perfect sense for them to go recruit black people. But the question becomes this, um, You know, is there a point where we get past this idea of bragging about how much of an asset we are to other people and instead start bragging about what an asset we are to ourselves. Because I think that it's important to understand that there's a difference between being an asset to them and being an asset to you. And we've been trained really since slavery to brag about how we're an asset to other people. Just look at the last election. There are millions of people who have bragged about the fact that Black women saved the Democratic Party. And I think that's okay. I think that's fine. But I'm. But my question is, did the Democratic Party come to save you? When they come, when you say they saved us because we saved them, then that makes sense. That's how you compete in global economic warfare because you're engaging in reciprocity, you're engaging in inadequate fair trade. But if you say I'm so look at me, I'm so proud I did this thing for you. I'm so proud that I gave you all my money and you can't in return say, well, I'm proud because I gave you money too, then that means that we have a little bit of an imbalanced relationship. Somebody's getting used, right? So so rather than us bragging about, like, think about this, you, you see it in the language, right? We'll brag about how great, how important diversity is for corporate America, right? Well, you know, why, which is why they should hire us. We brag about the power of the black dollar, right? How much, how, much, how much economic power our dollars have when we give them away? Uh, we Maybe we brag about how the power of the Black vote, the Black vote got so-and-so into office, right? Even though that person didn't do anything for Black people, I think it's okay for you to also care about yourself, right? To see Blackness and Black people in the Black community as an entity within itself, uh, going outside of the corporation, going, you know, almost the way China sees itself as a country. They don't see themselves as uh, as people who uh, are hoping that their kids can go work for Americans. They, that used to be true. Back when China was failing as an economic state, back when China was basically in the same place Black people are today, when China was in the place where they were the economic laughingstock of the world, back when China had no jobs in their own communities, they had to send their best and brightest overseas to America. That's exactly what they did. They would have a kid that would rise up through the ashes, and he would be brilliant at science or brilliant at math. He'd have the the potential of an Elon Musk, and they would send him to America to be educated. And then in America is that's where he would stay. And he would go and work for a company in America and China received no benefit from any of that. Well, what happened with Chinese leadership is they did exactly what I'm saying to you right now. They had a Dr. Claude Anderson powernomics ideology in which they said, wait a minute, instead of us bragging about how much we're doing for other people, we don't care about that anymore. We don't care if you are brilliant and you go to America and you make billions of dollars for the Americans. All we care about is that you bring it back home. So they literally have measuring sticks for what it means to be a good Chinese citizen. One of the things that they look at is: Did you bring it home to China? Did you? It doesn't matter how great you were overseas. Did you bring it back home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're brilliant over there and you did this wonderful thing over there, but did you bring it back home? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, you were the you won the Nobel Prize. Okay, but did you bring it back home? Right. So what I'm saying to you, black people, is that you have to ask your leading black people, your most successful black people did you bring it back home? When you think about what you do with your time, did you bring it back home? When you think about what you did with your money, did you bring it back home? When you think about your biggest investments, did you bring it back home? Because if you didn't bring it back home, then it's easy for somebody to say that it doesn't amount to much of anything. Okay. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Also hit the notification bell. Make sure you subscribe to the Black Financial Channel. It's very, very important. And also I want to remind you guys that next week we're doing the Black Real Estate Weekend, the weekend of the 19th. We are bringing in real estate experts from everything from buying your first home, to buying multifamily property, to buying commercial real estate, to tax lien selling, all these things. Uh, they, they pretty much have experience, hundreds of years of experience between all of them uh, in all facets of real, real estate. And we're going to do that for the whole weekend, Saturday and Sunday, on the weekend of the 19th. So you can go to blackrealestateweekend.com if you want to join us. That's blackrealestateweekend.com. The URL is right there on the screen. All right. So so one thing I'll say is this look, um, when you say that you want to hire a million black people, um, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know. I remember when I was in college, and uh, I, I actually was the number one finance student on the entire campus, and the number one black student. Like, I, I did everything that I thought I needed to do in order to be successful. I did all those things, and I applied to two hundred and fifty different Wall Street firms. I got two hundred and fifty different rejection letters. I and back at that time, you couldn't just apply on the internet. I had to literally. Write a letter and send it to 250 different firms. I mean, it was that crazy. And I couldn't believe I got that many rejection letters. I thought somebody would at least give me a shot. Nobody gave me a shot. Um, But you know what? When I look back at that, that was absolutely the best thing in the world that could have ever happened to me. Because if somebody had given me a shot and I had gone to work for one of these companies and I had done my job and done as well as I know that I could do, um, I would have probably, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, Instead of talking to a million black people a week on the internet, Like I said, literally, I have about eight hundred thousand subscribers across multiple YouTube channels that listen to me on economic issues. Myself and Dr. Claude Anderson and I talk to you guys every single day. If I'd gotten my wish and they had given me that job, I I wouldn't be talking to you right now because I probably wouldn't have the time to do that. I wouldn't have the interest in doing that. I would never even know the potential in doing that. I came to do this to do what I do now. Largely because the opportunities that I originally sought were not made available to me. And 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 here's the thing that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Sometimes God takes away the the thing that you want to give you the thing that you need. You know, sometimes God takes you from the place that you think you're supposed to be and puts you in the place where He knows you're supposed to be. See, God is the ultimate chess master, right? He sees the whole chess board. Sometimes we don't know. We're on the board. We see world the world in a two, three dimensional context. God lives in the sixth dimension. He lives in the precisely the sixth, not the seventh, not the fifth. He lives in the sixth dimension. I've explained this in another conversation. I'm not going to get too metaphysical with you all, but, but, I, but this is mathematical, actually. mathematical Mathematics and metaphysics actually connect if you reach at the highest levels. So, so God in his sixth dimensional mind said, Boyce, no, I know you want these things. I know you're praying to me that you're going to get this job and you're hoping that they're going to come through for you on this, this, and this. All that's going to be wiped off the table because I need you to focus because you have a bigger purpose. So as a result of pursuing a bigger purpose, I've had a much greater impact on the world than I ever could have had if I was sitting there in some academic office writing research papers that nobody's ever going to read. Um, I have been all around the world uh, to a, a tons of countries and cities and 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 <clears throat> places all over the globe, speaking to my people about economic empowerment. Um, the money has been a, a very nice uh, in in everything that I've done. I'm not going to talk about that because I don't believe in bragging about money, but. But I'm not broke, and I wouldn't. There's no job you can offer me now, including president of Harvard University, where they can even come close to paying me what what I'm actually able to make as an entrepreneur. Um, there, uh, there is also the fulfillment and satisfaction of knowing that I have been able to do things that have transformed my community for the next several generations on a massive scale. You see, the thing that you have to understand here's what I'm getting at here, and I and I, and I'm, 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 I get long winded, but it's for a good reason. The thing you have to understand is that. When you're in an epic battle as a community to really develop your community at a very high level, that level of development, it, it doesn't come through um, symbolism. You know, they give you a lot of symbolism because because symbolism doesn't mean anything. Um, it, it means a little, but it doesn't mean much. It doesn't come through uh, one offs. You know, like like one black man getting a job has never saved a community Like you know, or or even a million jobs, a million employees. Doesn't, is not the same as a million business owners. A million employees is not the same as a million business owners. A million employees is not the same as a million investors. A million employees is not the same as a million people that own real estate. Uh, and, and, so, and so if you're looking for something that's going to be truly transformative for the community, then you must look beyond this idea that says, we're going to help the Black community by bringing a million of your best and brightest. Remember, they, they, you know integration does a Jackie Robinson on the Black community. They don't go after everybody. They're not going after the average mediocre kid. They're going after the kid that's at the top of the class. They're going after the kid who in another reality would have become a billionaire. He would have built a billion dollar company and employed tens of thousands of people. So that kid does not need a job. That kid needs capital. He needs capital. A kid who has the potential to be a Jeff Bezos doesn't need a job. There is no job that will pay Jeff Bezos what he needs to be worth $275 billion. That kid does not need a job. He needs capital so that he can hook everybody else up. Capital allows him to take his talent and his brilliance and to scale it so that it impacts the lives of millions of people. Do you follow what I'm saying? Give me a yes or no if you get what I'm saying. Right. So so when they say we, we're going to create a million jobs, they're helping themselves as more than they're helping you, because they're, they're not saying we're going to go scrape the bottom of the barrel. We want we want your average kids. We want your your dumb kids that can, that can barely get a job anywhere. We, we, we want the, the mediocre kids. No, they're not going to the hood and getting the mediocre children. They are they are going for your gold mines. They are going after, they're doing like they did in Africa. They didn't want everybody in Africa and all the stuff in Africa. They want the best and brightest. They want the they want the gold and the and the silver and the and the and the oil and, and all they want this, the valuable stuff. So you think they're doing you a favor, you say, Oh my God, they took our most brilliant kids and let them all go work for American Express. Well, then that's a big win for American Express, and it's not a win for you. Because all your job creators have left. And now your hood is a, an economic desert. It becomes an economic desert because now all these black college graduates who don't have the potential to build their own industry, right? Everybody's not a captain of the industry. Everybody's not meant to be a CEO, right? But but you've got millions of black college graduates, pay attention now, They go to a white university, they go $100,000 in debt, they get a piece of paper that says, you're now qualified, certified by us to go work for somebody else, right? And so they come back to the hood and there's no jobs for them in the hood. There's nowhere they can work. So the only thing that they can do at that point is go across town and hope that they can be that one out of 20 Negroes that gets the, that gets hired by that corporation. You see, white corporations don't have enough jobs for all black people. That, that, that's why with, right after slavery, the overwhelming majority of Americans, including white people in the north, the overwhelming majority of Americans, did not want the slaves to be free. The reason they did not want the slaves to be free is they said, we don't have enough jobs for these people. What are we going to do with these people? Every white man can't go build his own business. There's millions of mediocre white men who need to go work for the extraordinary white men. They the million the, the mediocre white men that they, they, they can't build their own companies necessarily. So they're like, okay, I'm gonna join with all my buddies, and we're gonna all go down and work at the slaughterhouses, or we're gonna all go work at the factory, or we're all gonna work over at Chipotle or whatever. And because we got the because the smart guy created this business and he can hire us all, right. So the question is, where does the average black person go? That, that mediocre kid who doesn't have the ability to start his own business and make millions of dollars, where does he go? When your leaders, your economic leaders, your 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 intelligentsia, if you want to call it that, I hate that word, but because it, it sounds elitist, but when your best and brightest, your your economic superstars, have been. Folded into a, literally a shadow of themselves, like like what? How would the black community look? Just let's just use me as an example. I, I'm hesitant to do this, but I, I'm going to do it because I, I can't think of a better example at this point. What would what, what what kind of world we live in if you took me and say Dr. Claude Anderson and folded us in down and made us into little employees and gave us a nice cushy job somewhere and bribed a, bribed us with just enough money that we would forget about the black community? think about how many millions of people will be impacted because I see the numbers. And I know for a fact that we're consistently communicating with a million black people every single week. So what I'm saying to you is that you got to see the big picture. That's my point. You got to see the big picture. Black economic development is not going to be created by a million more employees. Uh, Black economic development will be created by a million entrepreneurs. Uh, black Black economic development does not come from offering jobs if they really want to help Black economic development, they will give access to capital to the Black to those Black men and women who are whose dream is too big, too grand, too great. Too, their talent is too extraordinary to sit in as somebody's employee with a with a white supremacist corporation with a glass ceiling where they're only going to get so far anyway. Because maybe they don't fit in with the white boys. Maybe they fit in better with the brothers in the hood. And ain't nothing wrong with a with a Black man who fits in well with the brothers in the hood because the brothers in the hood need love too, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But instead you get black folks who rise through these systems and they feel somehow that there is that the that black folks are less than that, that. If I come in and I and I and I do things black people do speak the way black people speak, believe the things black people believe that somehow those beliefs, those values are less than the values of the people who are paying me one hundred, two hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand a million dollars a year to do this job. No, there is no less than it's just different. It's just different. In their space, you're less than because that's not your space. But in our space, you're greater than because this is your space. If I'm Chinese and I'm working with a bunch of Russians, then being Chinese is less than because I'm in a Russian space. But if that Russian goes to China, then the Russian becomes less than because that is an environment built for Chinese. So I ask you as African-American people, foundational Black Americans specifically, those who great-great-grandfathers and great-great-great-grandmothers worked on the plantations, what space is built for you? What economic space is built for you when you are a young black college graduate and you come out with and you with flying colors, straight A's on your report card, and you come out with a degree? What space can you go to where they're going to look at you exactly the way you are, with your natural hair, with your swag, with your love for rap music, and or whatever it is that you bring, whatever black, whatever type of blackness you bring to the table, and they said this is your space. You don't have to be a chameleon. You don't have to do uh, what they call it the, the double speak or the, or the double consciousness or whatever. The, <clears throat> you're not going to have daily microaggressions from white people who don't understand who you are. What space is built for you? And I'm just here to tell you that those spaces are not for you. They're not for you. And you shouldn't have to make a decision to go into dire poverty just because you can't stand to be in those spaces. But in order for that to not happen for the next generation, we must build better spaces for them. And you build better spaces, not with employees. You build better spaces with with entrepreneurs and wealth builders. You build better spaces with investment. You build better spaces by having a grander vision that's built on the development of systems and and delegation and, and institutions. Institutions. That's what you lost during integration. You lost your institutions, right? Your institutions are the places, Those that's where you go to work. That's where you go to school. Right? You don't have institutions because they convinced you to let go of all that so you could go and be a part of their institutions where you really weren't welcome. It it's bad enough to it's just it's bad enough. If I'm I'm a grown-ass man, let me just say I'm a grown-ass man. I to just say that and make that clear. As a grown man, imagine a lot of y'all, everybody in here who's a grown-ass man or grown ass woman, raise your hand. If you grown, raise your hand. As a grown man, if I had to leave my house and go live with my best friend. It would be terrible. It would be absolutely, like, I couldn't even do it. I'd rather be homeless than have to show up to my friend's house and be like, hey, man, look, you know, me and my family are having a hard time. Can I come stay with you for a while? You know, man, you know." and he's like, well, well, all right, man, well, you know, we ain't got no extra space, but uh, okay, well, sure, man. Yeah, you can use the, you can stay in the basement, right? Uh, Oh, okay, okay. Well, how, how long are you going to be here? Uh, About a week or two, you know, two weeks? Nah, man, I, I ain't got nowhere to live, you know. Like, I, I might, I'm going to just be here indefinitely. Can I just live here? Right. <laughs> Think about how awkward that would be. Right. I mean, how pathetic would I look if I had to do that? Right. But that's what integration did. Integration was where you, um, you you killed all, you you let go of your house and you went to go live with somebody else. Now, here's the thing. In the example I just gave you, I talked about going to live with my best friend. Now I want you to go further. I want you. I want to imagine. I want you to imagine this. Imagine if instead of going to live with my best friend, I had to go live with my worst enemy. Like imagine calling up your worst enemy. Think about in your mind, think about somebody that really hates your gut. Somebody that just thinks you ain't you ain't nothing that just that's mad at you <clears> or <throat> been mad at you for five, 10 years, uh, talks bad about you, you know, hates you, hates your kids, hates your spouse, hates, hates everything that you have anything to do with and has sabotaged you their whole, your whole life, right? And imagine having to go to that person and ask that person for a place to live. Imagine that. I want you to imagine that. I'm making a point here. That is what black people had to do when we went to go sit up under white people. These are the very same people, not all of them, but the very same people who are the descendants of the people who used to uh, lynch and rape your grandparents, who forced them into bondage for their whole entire life, who would spit on the black kids when they rolled by on the school bus, um, who burned down entire black communities like Black Wall Street, who would shoot a black person on site and not go to jail for it. Right, who did uh, unspeakable things? Who would you know put black babies (coughs) down in Florida, put the black babies in the alligator cages, and use the black babies for alligator bait? Right, and and you want to go live with those people that you want to go and make yourself economically dependent on the people who come from that tradition. I'm not saying all white people are bad, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that these are facts, these are facts, and what I'm saying to you is that anybody who's got illicit common sense is not going to want to put themselves in that position, in that situation, even if the situation looks good, even if your enemy says, you know, I'm really sorry, I'm going to pay you well, but I need you to quit your job and come work for me. Even then you'd probably say, nah, I'm good. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm okay. Right? So when I, when I see initiatives like this, where the black CEOs who probably don't know any better, I mean, they seem like good people, right? I'm not saying that they're doing this for bad reasons. And and some people may need those jobs. They, they can have the, how about this? you can have all the mediocre black people, like all the black people, not even mediocre, even, even some of the good ones, right? Any black person who doesn't want to be liberated from the corporate plantation should go work for you. Any any black person who just doesn't feel inspired to own assets or to build wealth in a significant way or to start a business or hire other black people, maybe you can have those people. That's fine. I Whatever, right? But I think that when you're talking about these talented 10th, these really smart black folks that come out of your community, a lot of y'all got these baby, these seeds in your own family. Some of your babies are brilliant. Some of your babies have the potential to be billionaires. And, and what you have is a very serious job of cultivating that genius and making sure that it reaches its fullest potential. Some of you, unfortunately, some of us, because of our limited thinking, we stunt the growth of our babies. Your baby is thinking he wants to become the next Jeff Bezos and build a billion dollar company and you tell your baby no that's too big of a dream you need to go get you a job right so i so i really would encourage you to do this just don't sell your babies off cheap you know don't sell your babies just because white people are willing to pay a higher price for them or they're willing to accept more of them under their umbrella um how about you cultivate and create things in your own community that will give your babies a place to go where they don't have to feel awkward in order to survive. Some of, Do you know that some of the most incarcerated black people I know are the most educated people I know? Many of the most educated people I know are the most incarcerated economically and otherwise. Uh, they are the ones who are most likely to be angry because they got the job thinking they would get promoted to CEO and they never got past level two. Or they're pissed off because every day they go to work and there's the white lady down the hall who always treats them with significant disrespect. Uh, they get together with their friends, and they have terminology for it. They, they microaggression. They, they can sit around and talk about the microaggressions they endure every day. And these microaggressions have significant physical and mental health effects. They, they go crazy. They become alcoholics. They need a therapist. Some of them commit suicide, right? And, and so, so, so don't think that being more educated... I used to believe this. I used to believe that being Black and educated was going to free me from white supremacy. And then I realized that it only deeply and more deeply embedded my commitment and connection to that system. The thing that freed me was learning how to own assets, owning control assets. And then when I realized that that's what liberated me, that's all I began to focus on. That's all I began to think about, right? So so here's the deal. Uh, If you're talking about things that are going to build the black community, here's what uh, is going to make the black community strong. Number one, buying black. So even if you work for white people, you buy black. You transfer that wealth, or whatever that income is that you get. You, if you buy something, you try your best to buy black, so you can build black businesses. So these black business owners can create more jobs because they have more customers. Um, number two, you uh, you invest, invest in everything you invest in things that are black. You can also invest in things that are not black. It's okay. They owned you for 250 years. You can own them too, right? Uh, so these corporate, these corporations, when I look at Amex, I don't hate Amex. I just look at Amex and say, hmm, I'd like to be a stockholder in that company. Or when Disney comes out with a Black Panther movie and they make all this money from black people, I might go see the movie. I might not go see the movie, but you best, believe, you best bet your butt that I've been a Disney shareholder for many, many years now. And when they made all this announcement of this whole new lineup, I was really excited because I got paid that Day. My stock went up that day. Shout out to all the Disney shareholders because I told you guys about Disney over well over a month ago. I told you they were making major moves, and and, and I believe they have more in store. I believe that next year they're going to come out with more stuff. I believe the stock will continue to go up. Um, so 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 the other piece, uh, ownership, ownership of real estate, right? Uh, you, land is very valuable, very important. Land ownership should be a core value in your family. And then next, uh, every black child before the age of twelve should know how to start a business as a rite of passage, so that if they do keep a job. It's because they've explored all the options and possibilities and decided that the job is their best option. You don't want your child to have a job just because they ain't got nowhere else to go. They don't have anything else. It's like dating somebody. You should be dating somebody because you have many options and that person was the best choice. You should never date a person because you're afraid that if they don't want you, nobody else will right? Seriously, what kind of bottom of the barrel nonsense is that? No, you're special, you're unique, you have options, you must explore them so that you're never in a situation because you have to be there. You're only in situations that you want to be there. That's what freedom is. We talk about freedom all the time, but don't nobody even know what freedom is. Freedom just means doing whatever you want to do. Freedom means options. That's it. That's it. Freedom means options, period. And, and so anyway, so give yourself options and you'll always have freedom. Um, Having to go work for a company where they're treating you like crap every day, that's not the same as having options. That's not the same as being free. And believe me, the mental and the physical health effects will show exactly what slavery, slavery kills. Slavery kills. People who feel stuck, trapped, it kills them. They did studies on rats, and they had rats in in a cage, and they basically did a test that had some rats that were free. I'm not going to explain the details of the test, but some of the rats were given freedom. Some of the rats were were put in – were kind of incarcerated – The rats that were incarcerated had significant mental and physical health effects that came from their incarceration. So the question you must ask yourself as black people is, do I feel free? And if you don't feel free, you must say why. And then you say, well, what what is the solution? I guarantee you that a big chunk of that's going to relate to money and economic freedom. If I put a million dollars in your bank account right now, would you feel freer than you are right now? If the answer is yes, then that means that if you want your children to be free, then teach your child how to go make some money. Teach your child how to make investments. Teach your child how to build assets. Teach your child how to keep the money that they receive. You do that, 80, 90% of the oppression that they feel every day will disappear. All right? I hope that this helps you. I hope this makes sense. And actually, speaking of speaking of options and stock options, you guys know I talk about that a lot. Uh, we're doing a Black movie night. We're supporting the creation of a Black film industry. We have Boyce Watkins films. We've released a lot of films, uh, but we also collaborate and support other filmmakers. One guy we're supporting is a guy named Mark Harris who made a movie called Stock Option. Mark's films, you've seen them on BET, you've seen them on uh, TV One. Mark is is a great guy. He could have went to Hollywood. He deliberately chose not to go. Because he wanted to build a film industry in the Black community, he's right in the hood in Englewood, in a part of Chicago. And we're gonna and Mark has agreed to allow us to show uh, for students of the Black Business School the film of uh, Stock Option. So uh, if you want to uh, come to the event, it's going to be next Thursday, the seventeenth. You can go to BlackMovieNight.net. That's BlackMovieNight.net, not dot And you can actually get a, a pass to come to that film. And then also. The other film that I was an executive producer on is called Happy, H-A-P-I. Happy was made by Tariq Grant. It's, he's, he's worked on this film for five years, and it basically d- explores how modern economic systems that are used by everybody, many, many of those systems have their roots in ancient Africa, in West Africa, in Egypt, etc. Like, you are the originator of everything. You are the creators of all this. So when Black people become great, it won't be Black people becoming great. It'll be Black people becoming great again. Right. You're just by doing all these things you're doing now. All you're doing is going back to your roots and becoming who you were meant to be. You're meant to be the leader. You're meant to be the captain. You're meant to be the king. You're meant to be the queen. So uh, let's let's do some queen in. Let's do some king and And let's go out here and take what, what belongs to us. So blackmovienight.net is the URL you can go to if you want to join us for either film. And um and also don't forget the Black Real Estate Weekend is a couple days after that. That's blackrealestateweekend.com. So that's some resources. We're not just talking about things. We're building things. We're creating things. We're doing things. So I hope you guys will be a part of this. And I hope that this conversation helped you and like once again. No disrespect to any of the CEOs that are doing this million jobs thing. Maybe they can supplement this. And and I'm happy. If any of them sees this video, I'd be happy for them to call me and I could tell you a couple of things I think you could tweak and throw in there that might actually have move the needle a little bit on black wealth. All you need is something that relates to um, ownership of stock and something that related to um, access to capital. Black people need access to capital so we can make investments and actually build our own institutions. Because most black people I know will be much happier running a small business that makes half a million dollars a year than working for a big corporation that makes a half a trillion dollars a year. Most people will be happier and more impactful to the community, by the way, if they have a small business that makes a small amount of revenue, let's say a half million, dollar, half million a year, quarter million a year, they can have more impact with that than they could working a really fancy job where they're detached from their community. So that's what we need. We need those small business owners so we can help them succeed and do well. All right. So I'm out of here, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button, notification bell, all that stuff. Tonight, by the way, at 8 p.m., we're doing another panel. We do our all black intellectual chocolate panels on things going on in the community. And we're actually going to talk on drboystv.com about that uh, little kid who got smacked by the football coach. So our panelists actually have some things to say, and that's going to be a really fun conversation. So, Please have a great day. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you guys soon. Be good. Peace.